Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Last week, we talked about kissing the rain. This week, the weather girls are letting us know that the rain is actually men. Our Patreon members voted that we should discuss this early 80s gay anthem, and we couldn't wait to do so. Will we throw thunder on this duo that was formerly known as Two Tons of Fun? Stay tuned to find out how we feel about the powerful voices that brought us It's Raining Men. episodes i can't believe it took us this long on a podcast called one hit thunder to talk about the weather girls here we are man it's raining men hallelujah chris there is one moment that is always to me the truest sign that we are talking about a one hit wonder 
right? Like sometimes there's murky waters. Sometimes you question, ah, was this other song a bit of a hit or whatever? But when you log on to the Weather Girls Spotify page and four of their five most played songs are different variations of It's Rain and Men, <laughs> you know that we are talking about a serious well, one hit wonder. <laughs> I got to tell you that I use Apple Music and Apple Music shows you like the top eight songs. The first seven were It's Raining Men. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even think they were different versions. Oh, <laughs> it's just like off the Greatest Hits album, off the actual album, off the yeah. Essentials Weather Girls release. Yep. Yep. This is one of those songs where it's such a dumb song, right? Like it's such a dumb concept of a song. But it's so fucking good. Like the actual song kind of rules. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert here. The more research I did on the Weather Girls, specifically Martha Wash, Mm. like she fucking is awesome. She's like one of the coolest people we may have ever talked about on this show. I'm going to have to disagree with you, though, that this is a dumb concept. I mean, as soon as who what's the guy's name? Paul Paul Jabara. As soon as Paul, Paul Jabbar, and did you see who he co-wrote it with? Of course I did. <laughs> Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer from David Letterman, of course. And you could go on YouTube and watch videos of when it's so funny. It's from like 1982 or 1983. It's Letterman. And you know, it's like a younger Paul Schaefer. Still looks exactly like Paul Schaefer. And it's Dave talking to him like, so I hear you have a, a hit song. And, and Paul's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got, I, I have a hit song right now. <laughs> it's just like Dave kind of making fun of the fact that Paul Schaefer wrote "It's Raining Men." It, it's pre- <laughs> it's pretty funny. But Paul Jabara, who had worked with Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand and just lots of people, he approached them first. He approached Donna Summer, and Don, Donna Summer was like, "No, that's blasphemous." <laughs> yeah, I think it was one- like the Hallelujah part or whatever. And finally. The Weather Girls came around. Well, one one source that I saw even said that Donna Summer sent Paul Jabbar a Bible in return because <laughs> uh, she was so offended by the song. She had just become a born again Christian. Oh my uh, god! The full the full list of people who declined it, like you said, uh, Barbara Streisand said no. Also, Diana Ross and Cher all said no to this. Um, Mar- I found a quote from Martha Wash even saying that they had turned it down a couple times. Wow. Um, and she had said, we thought it was just a crazy song. In fact, we thought it was too crazy to record. I kept saying, it's raining men? Really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just don't think anyone would buy it. So that's why we kept saying no. But eventually, Jabbar convinced them after pleading to at least give him 90 minutes to record the song with them. So this song was done in 90 minutes vocally. Yeah. Um, Paul Schaefer and and Paul Jabara wrote it in an afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this just goes along with my theory that I've talked to you about several times. If something is so ridiculous that it catches your attention, then it's probably going to be a hit. Like just that title, It's Raining Men. That's a hit song. If I had never heard this song, I'm like, oh, that's a hit. Yeah. Lady Gaga, go perform It's Raining Men. That's a hit song. Well, and they got them to change their name at the time. (laughs) Well, first they started off as backup singers for Sylvester. I'm not sure if you know any Sylvester disco tracks. Well, Sylvester had a number one dance hit, You Make Me Feel Mighty Real. And when I went and listened to it, I was like, I kind of know this song. I'm not like a disco expert. In fact, Matt, today, because I was digging into disco so much, I was like, look, 
I've, we've talked about it so many times. It's come up so many times. I'm going to listen to Disco Duck. I had never even heard Disco Duck before. I thought I was going to put it on and be like, oh, yeah, I know this. I didn't know that. How would I know oh, yeah. that? It's song? a really dumb song. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, one of the things I did learn about Sylvester, and I think that this plays very importantly with the Weather Girls story in a weird way. Sylvester was like one of the first truly out and gay pop stars. Mm. Like, even at the time of disco, the village people were very, like, like people kind of knew, but they weren't saying one way or the other. Whereas, like, Sylvester was like, no, I, I am gay. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> like, there's, like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, and then, at that time, the duo went by the name Two Tons of Fun. Right. <laughs> um, Which, that's ridiculous, but, yeah. A ridiculous name. They had shortened it to the Two Tons. Um, before Jabbar and Schaefer came up to them and said, what if you called yourselves the Weather Girls to tie in with this song that we wrote? Well, that's uh, another surefire uh, guarantee that it's going to be a one-hit. If you're changing the name of your group to match <laughs> the one song, it's like a, I mean, it's kind of a, I think that's the first time I've heard of that being done, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's definitely, well, I mean, I guess you could also say like, very similarly in the same boat, I would say, to like a Bobby Boris picket where it's like, yeah, okay. you are going out of your way to be like, I am <laughs> I am Boris Korloff and this is my monster mash Right, song. We like, are the women who sing It's Raining <laughs> Men, the weather yeah. girls. Uh, but but I mean, the song, the song is weird because it was a number one dance hit, but this only got to 46 on the Billboard charts, charts with... Seems so low, like like unreasonably low. And when I crawled and like scrolled through like the charts for when it peaked, and I only wrote down the top five, but like at the time, the number one song was Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. This was March 5th, 1983. The top five songs, I knew four, four of the five. I knew Billie Jean. Number five was Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran, which I definitely know. Mm-hmm. Number four was Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by The Culture Club, which I definitely know. Number three was Stray Cat Strut by The Stray Cats. I definitely know that one. But it was the number two song, Shame on the Moon by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Like, hmm. I know Bob Seger. I don't remember that song. I don't remember that one either. But uh, scrolling through even like number six all the way down to 46, there was only a handful of songs that that I recognize. So it's crazy to me that this song wasn't higher up on those charts just based on longevity well, in my head. I also think this song just continued to live on. You, Matt, you know that people did not like this song at first. In fact, Paul Jabara, he wrote it as a gay anthem. I mean, there's yeah. no beating around the bush here. This was meant to be an anthem for gay people. Yes. And so before the Weather Girls even sang on it, now I was a little unclear on if it was just, if it was him singing on it or if he sang it live or whatever, but he went to gay rally in New York City. I, I don't know if it was, I think this was, I, I don't know when Pride started or whatever. I don't know what this, this was. This would have been post Stonewall, I would say. I think Stonewall okay. was in the 70s. All right, well, it was in New York City and he went to a gay event where there were lots of people and performed the song and got booed off the stage. Like people hated it. Like even the gay community did not embrace this song at first. That was before they got the Weather Girls to sing it. That's I was going to say, I think the Weather Girls is the secret because the Weather Girls, there's an element of campiness to it. 
when it's women singing it. And I and I do want to give some credit to uh, a person that I've I've mentioned before. He does the exact type type of stuff that we do. Todd in the shadows. Um, he had like a nice twenty minute video about the weather girls. It's raining men, and he pointed out something where he's like. You can tell it's written by a guy because, like, women don't really write songs about, like, I'll have any man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like they'll write, like, what a man. Like, they'll write a song about a very specific person. But guys will absolutely write shit like girls, 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 where it's like, like, I'm insatiable. I need every (laughs) single one of them. So I'm sure the element of a guy singing a song like It's Raining Men felt very like very poignant in a way that didn't work whereas like the absurd the the almost superstardom level vocalism that's happening that's between it. these two women is what makes it work that's like, what makes it work man is they are amazing singers Isora <laughs> yeah. Armstead and Martha Wash amazing amazing singers who could sing anything and they could sing a phone book and yeah. i would get a little choked up like i'm like this is, uh, they just have powerful voices man and and we'll get into martha wash's continued powerful voice well into the 90s but i was also equally shocked that this was 83 because this i yeah. any amount of money i would have guessed this was a mid 70s to late 70s i would have guessed late 70s yeah i'm very su- <laughs> very surprised this song came out at the same time as billy jean like yeah. it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to go together. The song seems much before that. Uh, hey, uh, one thing I want to mention before I forget. So they were also at the same time, and they talked about this on Letterman when he had him on. They were also still two tons of fun. Like they were, they yeah. were like, yeah, whatever anyone wants to call us, whoever, however we can get paid. They were like, <laughs> like okay. But what I thought is funny. You said they changed their name to just two tons. They had. Yeah. They didn't change their name for any reason other than the fact that there was already an Oklahoma gospel act that had registered the name Two Tons O Fun with ASCAP, <laughs> and they had it since 1958. What I think is so crazy about this is it wasn't even Two Tons of Fun. Both groups were called Two Tons. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. <laughs> like, what are the chances? If you made your band name Two Tons of Fun, you got to think like, okay, we're good. Like, yeah. my band's called Punchline. We had to worry. You know, we had to be like, okay, there's probably <laughs> other punchlines. But Two Tons of Fun, the, <laughs> there was a gospel act already named that from 1958. I thought that was pretty wild. That's insane. Uh, and I do want to also shout out, this song got nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. It was up for the best R&B performance by a duo or a group with vocals, but it it lost to another pretty great song, uh, Rufus and Shaka Khan's Ain't Nobody, Mm -hmm. which is just a good jam, so that's fine. Another thing that we've talked about on this show, we, we said before, you change the name of the group to match the song. Already, you're like setting yourself up for one hit wonderdom. Mm-hmm. But then there are other singles, all kind of felt like they were falling into the same category, <laughs> specifically their Christmas yep. song, Dear Santa, I Need a Man. Dear Santa, bring <laughs> me a man this Christmas. <laughs> I knew you, I knew you were probably going to do a Christmas 365 about that song. I sure hope so. One day, one day, there was also, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair yep. and their cover of Big Girls Don't Cry. Uh, we're all attempted at singles. Um, and then they called it quits in 1988. And this is, 
we'll get back to Martha Wash, but the history of the the Weather Girls is interesting because Martha Wash goes off and has a very prolific, successful uh, solo vocalist career, while the remaining Weather Girl reforms the group with her daughter in 1991, and they keep going until she dies in 2004, and then her daughter kept the group going. To this day, you can still see the Weather Girls. It's neither of the original Weather <laughs> Girls at this point, but it's still a group that tours internationally and releases music and, and everything. It's it's kind of wild. Wow. Yeah, that is yeah. wild to not have any of the original members. Yes. Rest in peace to Izora. But Martha, you can watch this too. It's within. There's a big compilation of all the times the Weather Girls were mentioned or performed on Letterman. And Martha Wash in 2012 performed It's Raining Men and she sounded and looked amazing. Better than ever. Yeah. And in 2012. Now we're talking 30 years after the song came out. And I was really, really impressed. I think it's funny too, Paul Schaefer, they mentioned in this thing that I watched about the creation of it that I think Paul Schaefer talked about it that after they got booed at the gay pride rally that Paul Schaefer's girlfriend st- stormed off because she was embarrassed and told him, I told you that song sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, that was without the Weather Girls performing it. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! So Martha Wash has a, has a title of the Queen of Clubland mm. because after the Weather Girls broke up, 
she became a vocalist for a lot of the 90s house music, specifically providing vocals for the group Seduction, Black Box, and probably the biggest hit of hers, C&C Music Factories, Everybody Dance Now, Gonna Make You Sweat. Dude! (laughs) Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't put two and two together. Of course I knew that. I actually knew that name. I think they actually have it in the... Oh, my God. So she eventually sued those groups um, because they didn't credit her vocals and would hire models to lip sync for live performances and music videos. Um, But, yeah, she she was throughout the 90s. It was her voice doing most of the like everybody dance now type female vocalist yelling in all of those club hits in the 90s. I got to check this because I swear that maybe retroactively because she sued them, she might be listed as like... Oh, she is now. That was what she sued for, to have her name listed on the tracks now. Oh, wow. I'm glad she's getting her due because she sounds great. And she, I mean, you could argue... She's the reason why those songs work. Yes. <laughs> you You're, right. I mean? You're right. You're like, right. Imagine that song without everybody dance now. <laughs> Man, like, I note. don't think that they could have grabbed just any old person yeah. to do it. It's like, no, you have this woman who can who can really like belt yeah. and yell and, and make it sound good. Uh and we we talked about okay, this song was kind of written with the intention of being a gay anthem. It may have had a rocky start at first, but boy, did it ever succeed in that. Uh, Rolling Stone put it on their list of the 25 essential LGBTQ pride songs. Billboard named it the 46th greatest gay anthem of all time. And Gay UK named it the number two greatest queer anthem of all time. It seems like it should be higher than number 46. For sure. I think Billboard uh, missed missed a step there. Hey, did you watch the music video? Oh, the music video is so good. It's like a straight Chippendales performance. Like with... What's so funny is, first of all, the green screen is so bad. They, whoever was it's doing broken. the green screen yeah. did such a bad job. They must have spent 500 bucks on this video. <laughs> and yet, I'm sure it was on MTV and everything, you know? Uh, and- I mean, there's a point where one of them is floating down, and you can see the buildings through her because yeah. the green screen is so poorly keyed out in shots. Well, also, but what I yes. think is so funny about it is that <laughs> they're, they're, the concept of the song is they're you know, they want men. They want it to yeah. rain men. And then it finally rains all these men. And it sucks. They're gay men. Like they're, they're pretty obviously gay men, right? <laughs> like that's not going to really help them out in their, in their quest for men, minus having men around dancing, but it's, yeah. it's a bunch of, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm just assuming, but it, it seems like a bunch of gay men in, speedos dancing around them which i just thought that whole part of it dancing around that harp shaped bed that they're laying (laughs) yeah like it is definitely one of those videos where um spoiler alert for for upcoming videos uh or upcoming songs that we're going to be discussing but it definitely represents the first year or two of mtv in a giant way (laughs) which is these kind of shoddy thrown together videos. But uh, what I want to talk about real quick with Martha Wash, this was this was what really won me over towards the end was I was diving into her activism, right? And keep in mind that, that this group was essentially like two tons of fun was formed out of two girls who befriended each other in church and had like kind of continued to be pretty devout Christians. Um, but Martha Wash has pretty much 
dedicated a large chunk of her life to being a very outspoken advocate for the queer community. Um, she actually said, it means the world to me when any fan comes up and tells me that they followed me throughout my years working well with Sylvester, or they tell me that they felt safe to come out to my music, or that someone decided to not take their life because of one of my songs. These are the people I sing my music for. So to all of you beautiful people out there, I say stay strong, don't give in, and please try to carry on. Um, She's also been an activist against the fight of HIV and AIDS uh, for over 30 years. Um, on World's AIDS Day in December of uh, December 12th, she was actually awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award in San Francisco from the AIDS Emergency Fund for her continued advocacy and fundraising to help with financial assistance with people suffering from the disease. And then on top of that is also a spokeswoman for the quality services for the autism community and fights to help raise more uh, social standings for helping people with autism and uh, was headlined three separate charity concerts for nonprofit AIDS organizations throughout her life, uh, including uh, part of the. She became a, in 2012. She became a supporter of the You Can Play uh, Project, a nonprofit organization dedicated to ensuring equality, respect, and safety for all athletes, regardless of their sexual orientation. So she is like truly taken to being like. Hey, if I'm the singer of a song that is considered a gay anthem, I am going to make sure that I do whatever I can to help out that community as opposed to there are definitely some like I have a feeling based on the way Donna Summer responded to just the concept of doing It's Raining Men, despite the fact that she was the queen of disco and disco came from you know, the gay club scene of the 70s. I don't think Donna Summer's like going out there storming to help out, help out the people in that community nearly as much as Martha Wash has done basically since 1983. So that's amazing. That's incredible. She rules. She's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like through her, her music career, the gay community lifted her up. And then in turn, she helped lift them, lift the gay community up, you know, like that's, That's so, or, you know, did what she could to that. I think that's really, really awesome. That's, that's so cool. She didn't just like cash the checks and be like, oh, thanks gays. You know, like she yeah. was like, she's, <laughs> she's, she's exactly literally, <laughs> you know, devoted her life to trying to raise awareness and, and be a, you know, an ally. That's so cool, man. So cool. So was there any other cool stuff that you learned about the weather girls? Cause Here's the thing. I can talk for days on how cool Martha Wash is and what she did after the Weather Girls and and all that. But, you know, I also listened to a bunch of music by the Weather Girls. And while I didn't hate anything by it, like there's there's no there's no other. It's Rain of Men. You know, what I mean, yeah. like this song rules for a very specific reason that I, I think was kind of missing in a lot of the other songs. Yeah, yeah. I think, like you said, they tried to spin off of that in a lot of songs. The Christmas song, of course. Hey, Santa, bring me a man. They're always just want a man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just, get, just get them a man. Um, yeah, that's all they want. I, I would just <laughs> satisfy I, them. <laughs> like to say, rest in peace to Izora Armstead. Rest in peace to Paul Jabara, who passed away in 1992. Um, Paul Schaefer, still going strong when you go watch these videos of him performing. I was really impressed. The Weather Girls first performance of it like in 1983 it was like early 1993 on letterman you can go watch it 
I was really impressed with at that time, Paul Schaefer's band on David Letterman was just a four piece and they played the backing music. And Paul, before they played it, he told Dave, he's like, you know, they use a lot of stuff in disco music that we don't have or something along those lines. But dude, they sounded perfect, as did, obviously, Azora and Martha. They sounded amazing. And uh, it was just a really, really great performance. And I really like Paul Schaefer. I mean, I grew up watching David Letterman. So to know that he was involved in this song made made me like it even a little bit more. Always thought he's really cool. Always think it's really cool when Paul Schaefer and the band join in with the musical guest. I always like, yeah, I always think that'd be really cool if I ever got to play on Dave, you know, David Letterman, which won't get that chance now. But if I did get that chance, I would have loved to have been like, hey, can you guys join us like at this part of the song? I think that'd be so cool. Matt, I got to tell you one more thing about the Weather Girls. So even calling them a one hit wonder by our standards is a little bit of a stretch, but they do have four number one dance singles. So they did top the dance charts four times. When it comes to dance, they're by far not a one-hit wonder. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, they are. And they're lucky to have that, I guess, considering it's just the way this song has grown over time. I'm trying to think of if there's been any other songs like that that we've covered on this show where it was like not necessarily a hit at the time, but then as time passed and more and more people discovered it or it became, you know, in this case, an anthem. But you know, that that gained yeah, momentum mean, over time. I feel like this is one of those songs, and we talk about this a lot on the show, but like there are those songs where it's like, I think my first exposure, honestly, to It's Rain in Men was probably five, six years old or whatever, watching like Nickelodeon mm. and just a random like songs of like songs of disco compilation comes on because like if you're gonna do you know those commercials always were like it would be playing a song and like a bunch of other song titles would be scrolling by and every like 10 seconds it would change songs of course you're gonna play if you can only play 10 seconds of a song to sell your compilation album you can't do much better than it's raining man <laughs> like for a couple seconds so i'm sure that was my first exposure to the song was just hearing it in a CD comp advertisement on television when I was a kid. How did Weird Al never parody this? The only thing I can think of is 1983. He had just put out his first album. And and because, again, that's crazy. His second album was Beat It. This was on the radio at the same time Thriller was out. That makes no sense to me. There's <laughs> like, so much uh, potential here. Also, just the concept. It's raining ham. Just a <laughs> continuing food. Theme. Yeah, just doing food. Uh, but... <laughs> Also, the concept of it's raining men could have been really funny if the men were raining out of the sky and just splattering on the ground. Because <laughs> that's inevitably what would be happening. I lo- I I support that idea. Yeah. That there's just a very violent, horrific version of this <laughs> yes. song. Some- <laughs> the, the men are just falling out of the sky and dying. Uh, all right, man. Well, I can't do anything but throw thunder on the name of the Weather Girls. I feel like it's the only I'm- respectful thing to do. I'm right there with you. Like they, if for no other reason, Martha Wash, if you somehow stumble upon this episode, 
we are two Martha Wash loving fans right yeah. now. So, so I, with all the respect in the world, I mean, again, like you said, we're one hit thunder, and when there's thunder, there's rain. And man, for today, for the first time in history. <laughs> It's going to be raining men here on One Hit Thunder. It's always raining at least two men here. That's right. That's right. One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Greenlight off the Punchline album 37 Everywhere. Subscribe to a band called Punchline on any podcasting app for an upcoming episode on the recording and release of this album. And be sure to visit punchline.com for merch, tour dates, and news. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. So let's not ask for opposites of what we have. Like if it's hot, let's try to be cool with that. And if it's cool, sit by a fire. If you're bored, take a nap if you're tired Why are we so wicked and decisive? Let's hit the streets with toy explosives And let's enjoy what we For a head-bangingly good time, dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the head-banging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.